Amen, amen. Hey, Everlast, can we together, right now, right where we're at, give God a clap offering? Let's give him praise, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Such an awesome, powerful time of worship. So thankful for Wesley and the team. So thankful. Hey, if you're new to Everlast, I shared this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Thanks for coming. Um, my name is Kev, and I get to be the young adult pastor here by God's grace. And uh, let me just say, seriously, we are so glad that you're here. We're truly glad that you came. And uh, it's our prayer that you feel welcome and loved here. Um, please be sure afterwards to go to our little information table out there and sign in. If it's your first time, we have a gift for you just to say thanks for coming. And uh, also, uh, by the way, just to share, Everlast obviously is our young adult ministry here at Calvary Worship Center. And it's our um, goal that we collectively encounter Jesus, grow in Jesus, and make Jesus known. Um, and hey, by the way, if you are a volunteer or a leader here at Everlast, could you stand up real quick? Volunteer, leader. Look at all the, look at this, y'all. Give it up for all the volunteers and leaders at Everlast. Come on, amen. Love you guys so much. Uh, uh, they are here for you. We're here, they're here for you. We're all here for you uh, to pray for you uh, and to support you. So, amen. Thank you guys. Love you guys so much. Also, by the way, our, uh, we're going to be sharing this at the end of tonight uh, in announcements, but we have new swag. We've got new merch. This is one of our new t-shirts. We've got three, we got three, uh, same design, different colors out there. They're $15. Y'all get them while they're hot. Uh, amen. Awesome. <laughs> Tonight we begin our brand new series. You just saw the bumper video. And if you follow us on, follow us on Everlast, uh, YA on Instagram, if you're not, what are you thinking? Come on, join the club. Uh, we posted the bumper video, uh, not long, uh, I think, yeah, just, uh, recently. And you just saw it. Uh, FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. In this series, y'all, we're going to be looking to God's Word on answering what we believe to be frequently asked questions in our culture today. Um, to start, our first question in this new series is a question that I believe everyone asks at some point, at some point. But honestly, it should be a question that we should continually ask um, and keep, honestly, before ourselves until, until the end of our time here on earth. Uh, what is the first frequently asked question. That question is this. It's on the screen. Check it out. How can I know God's plan for my life? And y'all, we're going to be going through many different scriptures tonight, but to begin, uh, please grab your Bibles. Just two short verses in the book of Isaiah. You can kind of mark your place there. We'll be referencing it later tonight as well, but Isaiah chapter 43 verses 6 through 7. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. You can share with someone next to you, or it's going to be on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 through 7. Let's, I'm going to read it. Here we go. God says this, Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Let's pray one more time together. Cool. I love praying. Don't y'all love praying? Amen. Amen. Father, we love you very much. Thank you, Lord, for just your presence with us now. And um, such a sweet time of worship where we're able to just rest in you and worship you. Father, I pray that um, you would hear our hearts, Lord. We, we, we just want to say thank you.
God, thank you for your continued grace towards us, um, your compassion towards us. Thank you, Lord. I pray that as we continue in worshiping you through your word, that uh, you would help us to truly listen, um, not just to listen, but to actually hear. <laughs> help us to be receptive and to hear with a humble heart tonight. And Everlast, give you just a brief moment, pray this prayer. I encourage you to pray this. God, speak to me tonight. And next, I just encourage you to pray those, for those on your left and right, those around you, pray this prayer. God, speak to them tonight. And lastly, I would kindly ask that you please pray for me, that God would use me tonight to um, make things clear and helpful for you. Father, please speak to us now. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, I, we did turn the AC down, but we have the door prop too. It just gets hot up in here when we worship Jesus. That's it. That's it. Y'all, well, ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a firefighter. Ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a fireman. Um, in fact, one of my first big toys was a uh, uh, I bought uh, that that was bought for me was a fire truck. Uh, I thought about bringing it tonight because yes, I still have it. Uh, and uh, but I was like, man, this thing's too precious. Ain't nobody gonna touch it. Um, so <laughs> wow, Kev. Uh, my parents got this for me when I was four years old. I was four years old, and y'all, I was in love. Still am, right? Uh, uh, I remember my pop and I playing many, many times over um, with this fire truck. And uh, I was also at the time in love with all things Ninja Turtles and superheroes from both DC and Marvel. But now I've, I've, I've matured and I've gotten a clue that it's just Marvel. It's just Marvel. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, back then it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know. Batman, Iron Man, they're best friends, you know, didn't matter. Uh, anyways, all that to say, some of you are like, what? Well, I'll pray for you. Uh, I just love to play. Y'all, I, re I remember vividly, I remember vividly my pop using the ladder of the fire truck to rescue Donatello, which by the way is a Ninja Turtle. Rescue Donatello and Batman from the flaming building that was my dresser, you know. Um, growing up, though, y'all, uh, I realized that, um, you know, superpowers aren't actually, you know, something that I can have real, in real life. Uh, so being a fireman, obviously, was still remained to be a dream of mine uh, that I wanted to do in my life. But there was also something else that I was very, very passionate about, and what that was, was music. I loved music. I loved to sing. My first instrument I ever learned was the ukulele. And um, I actually won my fourth grade talent show uh, singing a song called Five Foot Two Eyes of Blue. And uh, unbeknownst to me, by the way, I actually married a girl later in life who herself is five foot two eyes of blue. Kind of crazy. Uh, Tina, I know you're not here tonight, but if you're listening to this podcast, hear me. You are smoking. Um, anyways, when it, when it came to music, y'all, I was, I was obsessed, still am obsessed. Uh, my pop, y'all, did an awesome job of raising me right. Um, uh, I, there was a wide array of music. I just loved all sorts of music. I was raised on Sam Cooke and Stevie Wonder and, and Barry White and the Mills Brothers. From them all the way to James Taylor and the Eagles and Creedence Clearwater Revival. And, you know, it's just awesome. I loved all sorts of music. Loved all sorts of music. Um, I started... 
playing, actually, I started playing drums when I was 13 years old. And uh, I started to write songs as early as five years old. And I love to write. I love to play music. And I love to sing all the time. It was a passion of mine. I eventually started to serve in my church's youth group and playing drums. And I continued to do so until the end of high school. Um, I remember specifically, though, thinking to myself when my high school days were coming to an end, I remember thinking to myself this. A lot of you probably thought this. I thought, what in the world am I going to do? What am I going to do? What in the world am I going to do? I was actually um, able to graduate a semester earlier uh, from high school, and I decided to go to EMT school, uh, Emergency Medical Technician Basic School. Uh, and it was at Tarrant County College, which is in Hearst, Texas, North Texas. Uh, literally at the same time, though, a church in Mansfield, Texas, hired me to be their youth, worship, uh, youth ministry worship leader. Um, I, I literally bought this. I was a drummer, but I also had this $50 pawn shop guitar. It was a harmony guitar, just a piece of junk. And I, I loved Jesus, and I loved music. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll lead worship for you. And I was a drummer and I was nervous wreck, but I kind of knew the ropes and I just jumped right in. And it was awesome. Uh, and uh, so this, this church hired me in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, and by the way, I was also, so right, going to EMT basic school, was working now on staff at this church as a youth worship leader in the youth ministry. I was um, also, I was, I was a stock boy at this, uh, this store in a neighboring city. And, uh, and so freshly turning 18 years old, I graduated high school a semester early, uh, moved out of my parents' house, got my own little apartment uh, with a friend of mine who's a fireman uh, in Euless, Texas. And I was leading worship at a church, working at a store and, you know, going to EMT basic school. It was a crazy part of my life. And uh, as soon as, by the way, as soon as I graduated EMT basic school, I went to paramedic school. So you've got EMT basic, EMT intermediate, EMT paramedic. Uh, EMTBIP. And uh, I went to paramedic school and I was on track to go to fire academy uh, the next year. It was, uh, by the way, in uh, quote unquote, my plans to become a fireman. But clearly, as you can see tonight, the Lord had other plans. Um, through much prayer and through searching God's word, through listening, hearing, listening to the Holy Spirit, through receiving helpful biblical counsel from pastors and family and friends, and ultimately through being, uh, you know, genuinely open-handed to what God wanted for my life, I eventually withdrew from going to Fire Academy and went into full-time ministry. Um, check it out. Like everything else in life, um, I eventually came to the crossroad uh, where I, I had to make a decision. Had to make a decision. Remember when I mentioned a moment ago that at the end of high school, I asked myself, and a common question you probably have asked yourself, what in the world am I going to do? Um, well, you see, as I matured and grew in my relationship with Jesus, y'all, this question obviously kept coming up, but yet I started to turn away from myself and rather um, uh, my thoughts uh, were, were, were on God. Uh, instead of asking, what in the world am I going to do, which isn't a bad question, um, I just learned to ask a better question. And that question was, what does God want me to do in this world? Everlast, let me tell you something. Can y'all look at me real quick? Look at me real quick. Your life, your life, your life, I just couldn't see you because your head, your life has meaning. Your life has meaning. Not just collectively as a group, 
while that is most definitely true, I'm not just, I'm not, I'm, in this moment, I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about you. Your life has meaning. It makes me think about how pictures used to be. Pictures originally, y'all, were purposed to have meaning. You know, have you ever sat with an old person and look at their photos with them? You know, um, it seems like every photo has some type of story. What's this, Grandma? Here's a picture of your great-grandfather, Kevin, standing next to Henry Ford. Is this a great-grandma voice? I don't know. <laughs> standing next to your great... Here, sorry. <clears throat> Here's a picture of you. I can't do it. Here's a picture of your great grandfather standing next to Henry Ford, who, who, who made the Ford Model T, which was the earliest effort to make a car that most people could actually afford and buy. Henry Ford himself threw your great grandfather the keys to his personal card and gave it as a gift to our family. Wow, Grandma, that's an amazing story. That's awesome, Grandma. Can you imagine though, like? listening to old people's stories 50 years from now about their pictures. What's this, Grandma? Here's a picture of my breakfast. <laughs> she swipes left. Here's a picture of the shoes I didn't end up buying. Here's a picture of a wing of a plane. Here's a, here's, a, here's a picture of your great-grandmother posing in front of a mirror in the bathroom. Here's 17 more of the same picture. Unlike, awful grandma voice. That was like a weird, forgive me, Everlast. I'm better like an old, like, hey, a kid. I'm better at like a, 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 a grandpa voice. Y'all, unlike photos nowadays, can be, <laughs> unlike what photos nowadays can be, your life was created to have meaning. Was created to have meaning. So how, how can you know God's plan for your life? Well, he tells us very clearly in his word, very clearly. And that's where we're going to find the answer tonight. Tonight, I've conglomerated just three things that I believe God's word tells us what is his plan for our lives. Another way to ask it is this, what is God's purpose for my life, right? That is, what, what is his design and purpose for my life on earth and beyond? Guess what? The three things I've conglomerated tonight for you makes, I, it, you know, it makes what I think is probably one of the coolest acronyms ever. I'm kind of an acronym guy. PB and J. You heard it right, y'all. PB and J all the way. After tonight, I guarantee you, you'll never make a peanut butter jelly sandwich the same. But really, there's three things that I believe God's word wants us to, uh, wants to tell us, or does tell us rather, sorry. Uh, what is his design and purpose for our life? Ready? Here it goes. Living a life of praise. Living a life of blessing. And lastly, living a life of joy. Now, what I just shared, we can leave it on the screen for you. What I just shared are three things that I'm sure you've heard of some, somehow, some form, some fashion before, but before you mentally check out or let them pass through your ears, hang in there with me, all right? Hang in there with me. 
Let me specifically talk about each one. I believe God has a word for you tonight, Everlast. I really do. I believe God has a word for you tonight. Starting with the first, what's God's purpose for my life? Well, living a life of praise. Living a life of praise. What does that mean? Well, in other words, this means to, get ready, glorify God. It's been said before that the chief end of man, meaning the purpose of man, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Okay, so again, what does that mean? What does that mean? Listen, if I were to ask each of you to write on a piece of paper right now, what does it mean to glorify God? Y'all, we would get multiple different answers, all right? To start, I think we need to focus just on one word, and that is glorify, okay? I did some research, and honestly, uh, a pastor and author that my wife and I, God is using in a mighty way, I really, truly believe he's a biblically balanced pastor and author. His name's John Piper, and I believe he has one of the best definitions of this word. He says this, glorifying, it's on the screen, I think, glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, that make much of God, that give evidence of the supreme greatness of all his attributes, and the all-satisfying beauty of his manifold perfections. Long, pretty heady, pretty lofty, pretty studious in nature, but powerful. If you need to get your phone take a picture, go for it. <laughs> Glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, that make much of God, that give evidence of the supreme greatness of all his attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of his manifold perfections. Amen. So, okay, okay, check it out. So, Everlast, to glorify God, um, you could put it this way. You could put it this way. Glorifying God is making him the ultimate, absolute, ubiquitous, all-permeating reason for being everything we are and doing everything we do. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Glorifying God is making him the ultimate, absolute, ubiquitous, all-permeating reason for being everything we are and doing everything we do. So I just got to kind of mark your places again. Let's reread at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of our time, um, Isaiah 43, 6, 7. Um, I believe this honestly just helps us simply know what God says about our purpose in living a life of praise is. God himself says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Here we see God created you, Everlast. You, you, not just us, you. Make it personal, you, Gilly. <laughs> you, God created you for his glory. And at that, created everything for his glory. This is the great overarching purpose for you and everything else. Another awesome example of this we see in Philippians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. Um, it says this, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says here that whatever, you know, whether he lives or dies, 
It's crazy. He does everything for the goal of magnifying Jesus Christ, showing his supreme value over everything. Something else Paul said is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says this. This may be one you are familiar with, right? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, okay, we kind of define glory, right? So are y'all tracking with me? Cool, this is what we're, okay. So I love how, actually, how R.C. Sproul puts it. Check it out. He says this. We do not segment our lives, giving some time to God, some to our business or schooling, while keeping parts to ourselves. The idea is to live all of our lives in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and for the honor and glory of God. That is what the Christian life is all about. Remember, y'all, living for the glory of God means that you're making God ultimate in everything we are and everything we do. By the way, can someone go shut the door if you don't mind? Someone? Thanks, Jacqueline. You're awesome. I feel the AC. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for AC. We love you. Amen. Uh, Okay, so what does this practice look, look, look like? Okay, so let me tell you something real quick uh, that instantly, something that instantly changes when you start not only understanding glorifying God, but actually living it out. What changes? Your prayer life. Very practically, your prayer life completely changes. Y'all, that's what happens when your universe of you turns upside down. Your prayer life changes. It changes. How's how everything now is revolving around your prayers like this. So your prayer life changes, and this is what your prayers more so now look like. You're praying things like this. God, you are holy. There's no one like you. Hallowed be your name. Do your great purpose. Glorify your great name. Do your will. Bring your kingdom. You're the center. Make it happen. All of this Instead of praying, me. Y'all check it out. A praising life is a praying life. Very simple. Very true. Even more practically, and to go with what Paul shared, y'all eating and drinking, even down to these specific things, y'all were to glorify God. That's not just some like analogic thing for you to just get gung-ho about. No, literally, literally. Whether you eat or drink, like these tiny things are meant to glorify God. <coughs> Excuse me. So what does it mean to glorify God whether you eat or drink? Well, guys, this isn't the biggest news report. Da, 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 da. I love pizza. I, pizzas, it's great. It's the best. All food groups, so many flavors in just one bite. Can I get an amen? Thank you. That was weak. Can I get an amen for you, pizza? Please. No. Um, <laughs> Y'all, do you know, did y'all know that the average human literally has between 2,000 and 10,000 taste buds on their one tongue? We actually lose taste buds as we age, which means that children have more taste buds than adults. Um, sizes and numbers of taste buds vary on the person, you know, right? So, but taste buds, y'all, come in different sizes. On average, though, check this out. On average... They, a taste bud, singular, has a diameter of one thirteenth of a millimeter and a length of one sixteenth 
of a millimeter. Taste buds, along with sensors in your nose, allow you to experience flavor. If you've injured a taste bud, have you ever drank something hot? Like, yep. Right? Thank you. Chances are, y'all, it'll repair in a week or two, you know, so you can enjoy food again. Y'all, it blows, it always blows my mind. It always has. And let me encourage you to think that way. Let your mind be blown by that kind of stuff. Y'all, it blows my mind at the creativity of our God. Man, y'all, man didn't make nor can make a taste bud. A man can't make it. It's it, impossible. And that's just a taste bud, right? That it's, it's 100% humanly impossible. God made these little things. He made them. You ever think why? Do you ever think that? Why did God make this? Why? Why do you make taste buds? Easy, very easy answer. Thank you. Pizza. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Y'all, it's so easy. And like I shared earlier, don't let it go in one ear out the other. Why did God make taste buds? To show us how good he is. To show us how good he is. I would go as far as say as God is flexing. He is, he is showing off. He's given us the gift not to just consume food for survival, but to savor food for enjoyment. Again, why? The goal isn't just to thank him for food and then to therefore just enjoy the food. No, y'all, the goal, think about it. It's not just to enjoy the food. The goal is to thank him for the food and his creative glory on us being able to enjoy the food to then thank him for him and ultimately enjoy and worship him. To put it even more simply, y'all, glorifying God means to make Jesus king. Make Jesus king. God, y'all, God will not settle for a portion, whatever percentage you want to put on it. God will not settle for a portion of your heart. He won't settle. God says in Revelations 3, Revelation 3, 15 through 16, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot or hot. Yeah, nor hot, sorry. Would you, would that you either, uh, I'm so sorry, guys. Would that you were either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, thanks for your grace towards me, and neither hot nor cold, I will, what, spit you out of my mouth. Wow. That sounds grotesque. That sounds very extreme. And there's reason for it. I love how Tim Keller puts it, another great, awesome uh, uh, pastor and author. He said this, Tim Keller says, Jesus cannot simply be liked. You either kill him or crown him in your life. And that's a sobering statement, and it's so true. And that's not just to make us, like, to hit us hard. Like, the, the, um, there's a book we're reading here collectively in our life groups. It's a book on doctrine. It's called Do You Believe by Paul David Tripp. Um, amazing book. We cover a doctrine, so like the doctrine of God's holiness or the doctrine of God's sovereignty. And then the chapter that matches it right after is God's holiness in everyday life, God's um, sovereignty in everyday life. It's like orthodoxy, studious, orthoproxy, putting it into practice. And a quote that we've been saying a lot at Everlast is 
what Paul, we're quoting Paul Tripp when he says, truth not lived is truth not believed. And that's not just to get us to be like, amen, and it hits hard. It's, it's to put action to our, our, our faith. And that's exactly what Tim Keller is trying to say. Jesus cannot simply be liked. You either kill him or you crown him in your life. I also love what Ian Bounds has to say when it comes to living for the glory of God. Ian Bounds says, nothing short of being red hot. Actually, he's supposed to say hot, not hard. (laughs) Nothing short of being red hot for God can keep the glow of heaven in our hearts these chilly days. Glorifying God means that you are burning hot for God. You're burning hot for him, making him ultimate, right? In everything we are, like I shared earlier, in everything we do. Y'all, your thoughts, your actions, your prayer life, your money, your relationship, your marriages, your parenting, even as small as your, something as your taste buds. <laughs> We're making God ultimate. Amen? To the second thing I believe God's word tells us, what is design and purpose for our lives is this, right? Living a life of blessing, living a life of blessing. A lot of misconceptions with this word. Um, quite possibly, though, the most frequently used word in, Christ, in a Christian's vernacular, or vocabulary, rather, is blessed, right? Have a blessed day. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. God bless you. You know, like that's, that's what we say. There's just a few ways how we use the word. It's even common among unbelievers to describe themselves as blessed. Some people think of blessed as a spiritual term for like good fortune, um, like when we receive something good, the desired outcome or an, ex, uh, you know, an exceptional um, comfort. Um, but what does it really mean to be blessed? Um, the Greek word uh, is often translated um, uh, as blessed as uh, makairos, uh, which um, means fortunate, happy, enlarged, or lengthy. Consequently, though, the word can also be translated as favored, as favored. In the New Testament, it usually carries this, the meaning of being blessed by God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, right, was uh, blessed among women. That's what it says in Luke 1, 42 through 45 and 48. It was the Lord God who um, had blessing and favor and, and favored her. While uh, material blessings, right, material blessings are actually included in, you know, um, are, well, not actually, they're certainly included in God's favor. The Bible talks up a much fuller meaning uh, to the word blessed. Perhaps the most well-known use of the word blessed in the Bible is found in the Beatitudes, okay? Jesus gave the greatest sermon of all time. The greatest sermon of all time. You can't podcast it, but you can read it. Um, kidding. You, um, thought that would be funnier. Uh, Found in Matthew 5, 3 through uh, 12, or Luke chapter 6, 20 through, uh, through 23. We're going to read it in a second. Uh, you know, and listen, Jesus started this greatest sermon of all time with eight declarations. Eight declarations where he used the term blessed in the framework of the Beatitudes to describe, listen y'all, to describe the inner quality of a faithful servant of God. Think of it like this. Beatitudes is like be attitude. Meaning, these are the attitudes that we need to have in our hearts. This blessedness Jesus talks about is, uh, is a spiritual state of well-being and prosperity. Y'all, blessedness can be defined as this. Blessedness can be defined as this. A deep, joy-filled contentment that cannot be shaken by poverty, grief, famine, persecution, war, or any other trial or tragedy that we face in life. 
So if you could turn there with me, Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 12. We're doing okay on time. Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 12. Turn there real, real quick for me. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Awesome. Here we go. I'm going to read them. Jesus said, he says this, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Y'all, what's crazy is that our fickle and feeble, like human terms, that uh, you know, the situations Jesus depicted in the Beatitudes are far from blessings. <laughs> but because God, y'all, is present with us through these difficult times, um, we are actually blessed by Him in them. The Bible measures bless, y'all. The Bible measures blessedness completely differently um, how people in the world measure it. Take James chapter 1, verse 12 as an example. It's on the screen. Blessed is the, blessed is the one her per, who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. To, everlasting, to those who rest in God, he grants an inner state, an inner state of joy that is unaffected by external trials. What is the promised crown of life that James writes about here, though? Like, what is that? Y'all, it is, it, here's what it is. It is the never-ending, victorious life in the world to come. Where all trials, check it out, will end. The marvelous blessings we experience now are minor compared to the benefits God um, has stored up for us in his eternal kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, uh, uh, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Blessed speaks of our inner state of well-being, the prosperity of our souls in Christ. Check it out. I love this. Blessedness comes from unhindered fellowship with God, the Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. To be blessed is to experience the full impact of God's presence in our lives now and for all eternity. So what's the purpose for a life? Again, God's purpose for us to, is to live a life of blessing. Do y'all want to know what the enemy of blessing is? The enemy of blessing is complaint. The enemy of blessing is complaint. Can y'all think for me for a moment? Think with me for a moment. Do you live a life of blessing or complaint? Do you live a life of blessing or complaint? Y'all, it's so easy to grumble. It's so easy to find fault. It's so easy to be discontent. It's so easy to find things that are less than what you want them to be. It's so easy to be irritated or impatient. 
It's so easy to groan and moan for the difficulties in life. It's so easy to be dissatisfied. Why are these things so easy? Well, they're easy because the sin, sin <laughs> still very much so causes us to make it all about us. Y'all, you and I, we were not designed to live um, independently. We weren't meant to live in our own strength. We, we weren't created to rely on our own wisdom. We weren't given the ability to write our own moral codes. We weren't put together with the independent knowledge of how to live and how to steward this physical world or how to properly you know, relate to one another. We weren't created to live by ourselves or for ourselves in, you know, into an attempt to do, you know, y'all, in, in an attempt to do any of that <laughs> just leads nowhere good. Nowhere good. 2 Corinthians 5 um, verse 15 says, He, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. True freedom, y'all, is never found in putting yourself at the center with your choices and, uh, you know, behavior shaped by your allegiance to you. Real freedom is only ever found when living a life of blessing, that is, unhindered fellowship with God the Father through our Lord Jesus, you know, liberates you to live for the one infinitely greater than you, infinitely greater than you. And speaking of true freedom in God, it leads to our final way that I believe God's word is telling us what is his design and purpose for our lives. Lastly, living a life of joy, living a life of joy. Joy can be defined as many things, but the way I like to think about it is like this everlasting. Joy equals finding true freedom in humbly submitting and obeying God or humbly submitting to and obeying God. Allow me to explain. One day, Tina and I, uh, my wife, we, we really do, we hope to be parents. Well, we've shared many times over on this infertility road, we had a miscarriage and adoptions is, is in the cards. And, you know, we're, we, you know, we're praying through all these things, but we one day uh, hope to be parents. We, we were asking God for that. And, but check this out. I'm, I haven't been a parent on earth yet, but there's one thing I, that I know. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, parents in the room, if I can get a witness. Listen, you don't leave a child to make decisions for themselves. That's not true joy. That's not true joy. You don't leave a little child to make decisions for themselves. Here's the thing. Just like it's easier to complain rather than to be thankful, living a life of praise and blessing in, God's, in God contradicts our normal thinking. But living you know, a life of joy is something that is hard for us to grasp, let alone understand is God's purpose for our lives. Why? Because we chase, we chase it and we try, we try to find it Somewhere else, when it's only truly found, joy is only found in God. Y'all, we are excellent happiness finders, but poor joy finders. Why? Well, happiness, y'all, is very much so circumstantial. Sin, y'all, listen, sin at its very essence is a quick fix. When it actually doesn't fix jack, <laughs> it, does, it does nothing but break you. Y'all, my mom, my mom passed away of cancer when she was 35, a long time ago. She loves the Lord. One of her favorite quotes is this. I've quoted it many times. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. So why do we always think that running away from home will bring joy? Right? You see it all the time in the movies. <laughs> you see it. You know, but the, kid, the kids end up in trouble, lost, desperate to return home. Y'all, even after wanting his family to go away, Kevin McAllister, 
Kevin McAllister. And y'all, he was seemingly, he was free, right? Just living it up. But at the end of the movie, y'all, he longed for his family to come back. He did not want to be alone. At the end of the movie, y'all, he set up all these booby traps, right? And, you know, he defended his home by himself at 10 years old. But by the way, at the end, couldn't do it. He still needed the help of community. In essence, that old dude with his no shovel, right? Um, he, ne- he needed help of an, he needed help of an adult. Again, y'all, live, living a life of joy in God, again, contradicts our normal thinking. But y'all, the doorway to joy, freedom, and ultimately God's purpose for your life is actually, check this out, submission. It's submission. When I acknowledge that I'm in danger to myself and submit to the authority, wisdom, and grace of God, I'm, I'm not killing any hope I have, you know, in the freedom. No, y'all, the opposite is true. Listen, humble submission. This, this, y'all, Everlast, this is huge for tonight. Humble well, actually, let me say it this way. Humble admission of need of humble submission to God to open me up is the freest of lives. And it's full of joy and full of purpose. I think this is on the screen. Y'all listen. We were created uh, to live in, worship, in worshipful and obedient dependence on God, experiencing the true joy that is found in Him. When His grace restores us to that place, y'all, Guess what? It gives us back our freedom. (laughs) Think about it. Think about it. It may seem constricting that a train always has to ride on the train tracks. But by try try driving it in a field (laughs) and all motion completely comes to a screeching halt where y'all wreckage is inevitable. So living a life of joy in God puts us back on the tracks again and gives us the freedom and joy of forward motion, which you can have no other way, no other way. I love Proverbs uh, 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Psalm 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at, the, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Y'all, everlasting, as I wrap up, as I wrap up, let me lastly share something just super practically that I feel like you need to know when it comes to God's purpose in your life. A lot of this comes to decision point, like my testimony I shared at the beginning. Can I share this, y'all? Something you need to know. God has called us on mission. God has called us on mission. Literally, the last thing our Lord and Savior Jesus said and told us to do before he ascended into heaven, can be found in Matthew uh, 28, 19-20. It's on the screen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Y'all, this is what it comes... This is what, obviously, yeah, people, it's, people have come to call the Great Commission. And it essentially outlines what Jesus expected uh, the apostles and those who followed him to do in his absence. And it now compels us to share the good news until everyone's heard. Y'all, when it comes to God's purpose in your life and what you're supposed to do vocationally or relationally or wherever you're at or whoever you're with, y'all, God has called you to be on mission. Y'all, listen, can I say this? Know your title. What do you mean, Kev? Think of it this way, y'all. Your title isn't doctor, Everlast. Your title isn't teacher. It isn't mechanic. It isn't dad. It isn't mom. It isn't engineer. It isn't pastor. No. Y'all, let me encourage you to think of it this way. Your, your main title, in essence, is missionary. 
is missionary. There's a, a brother in Christ of mine, younger brother, got to walk with him. His name was Munzee. He, was uh, he wasn't on staff. Wow. Huh. What did that, where did that come from? He was in our worship ministry here at this church. And he was, uh, he was at the Air Force Academy. And he called me. I remember this one conversation. He called me. And he said, uh, he said, Kev, I, he, was, he was just, he was just, yeah, he, was, he wasn't like crazy anxious, but yet he just wanted to make the right decision. He said, Kevin, I don't know what to do. He was just choosing to be, either be a fighter pilot or I think some engineer, some name I couldn't say. <laughs> um, and I just, I encouraged him to think this way. I said, brother, listen, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, like think of yourself as missionary. Think of yourself as that. And listen, and I told him, when, when you begin to not only believe this, but actually live it out, it actually relieves the pressure of, I don't know what to do for my life. Y'all, Everlast, this relieves that pressure because it makes it very simple to know that wherever you are in life, whatever you're doing, you are called to share the greatest news in the world and to be a living witness to the joy-filled, redeeming grace of Jesus. Y'all, that right there in and of itself, to be on mission, y'all, that is dripping with purpose. That's dripping with it. And that truly does relieve the pressure of, I don't know what to do. Well, you know exactly what to do. In essence, we're just kind of incognito missionaries, you know, just with a title that actually isn't the title. We're ministers of the gospel, hallelujah. And like I shared earlier, I kept asking early in life, what in the world am I gonna do, right? Which isn't a bad question. And I started to ask that better question. What does God want me to do in this world? So to reiterate tonight, we're done. What's God's plan and purpose for your life? Living a life of praise. That is to glorify God, making him the ultimate, absolute, ubiquitous, all permeating reason for being everything we are and doing everything we do. That's living a life of praise. Two, living a life of blessing. To have deep, y'all, deep, joy-filled contentment that can't be shaken by poverty, grief, famine, persecution, war, or any trial or tragedy that you may face in life, which comes, this comes actually from an unhindered fellowship with God, the Father, through our Lord Jesus. Living a life of blessing. And lastly, living a life of joy where we find true freedom in humbly submitting to and obeying God. Amen? That's it. Let's pray.